Credits due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Collecting all those state quarters, my boys. And Neil Potter. I got a jar of hot pickles next to me, and I'm ready to rumble. Mm. Yes. And rumble we will, because we are on the we're on part twenty. Which is the final episode in this season of in uh, this season on Julian Moore? We are talking about, of course, what better way to end it? We're talking about (laughs) Kingsman: The Golden Circle from 2017. It's directed by Matthew Vaughn. It's written by Matthew Vaughn and Jane Goldman. It stars uh, Taron Egerton, Colin Firth, uh, and Julian Moore. It is about when their headquarters are destroyed and the world is held hostage, the Kingsman's journey leads them to discover of an allied spy organization in the United States. These two elite secret organizations must band together to defeat a common enemy. Mm. Uh, as always, we will start off with some film trivia on Kingsman, The Golden Circle, and then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on the movie, ending with some final thoughts on Julianne Moore and, of course, some recommendations. So, Tyler, let's kick this off with some film trivia. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every episode, I bring together four wonderful bits of trivia about our movie, and you guys have to figure out which one of those four I've made up completely. So, we'll start with number one. The original cut of the movie had a total runtime of three hours and 40 minutes. The movie had so many added scenes during production that Fox even asked director Matthew Vaughn if he wanted to split the film into two separate movies. Vaughn shot down that idea and cut the film to two hours and 21 minutes. Number two, Channing Tatum has his own brand of vodka, born and bred, that can be seen at the bar in the Statesman's Plain. Number three, Taron Edgerton was, is it Edgerton or Edgerton? I don't know. Either don't one know. works, probably. What did I, I say? Edgerton? I, I think you said Edgerton. I don't know. Anyways, Taron Edgerton is Sorry, Taron. <laughs> was among the final two candidates to play Han Solo in the Solo Star Wars story, but the role went to Alan Ehrenreich yep. after production for the Kingsman's Golden Circle was moved up. Tough. Number four, the opening car chase was the most complicated shooting sequence between either of the two Kingsman movies. Filming took nearly 35 days. This was largely due to the decision to refilm all of the fight choreography in a green screen environment after on-set footage filmed inside a replica car was deemed unusable. In the final film, all car interiors are digital recreations. All right. Ben... Pick yeah. your poison. Oh my god. All those sound true. Um, <laughs> no, those were good. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, I'll say the one with the... Ugh. Ugh. As always, I'm not confident in this answer, but <laughs> I'm going to say uh, the one about the whiskey, about um, about what's-his-name's... Uh, Channing Tatum's oh. b- vodka? 
Yep. Yeah. Vodka. Yeah. All right. Born and bred. Oh, Born right. and bred. I was thinking Neil, about using think? that one too. Uh, but I will go with the last one about the digital cars. Mm, all right. Well, Ben, I'm sorry to tell you, but Channing Tatum does have a brand of vodka called Born and Bread <laughs> that can be seen at the bar in the Statesman, Statesman's Plain. Uh, and congratulations, Neil, because you got yes! it right. Yes. Yes. That uh, I, it probably is somewhat accurate that that shooting sequence was one of the most complicated uh, in the Kingsman mo- films, but. As far as I could tell, it did not take 35 days. It was just a, another piece in the larger puzzle of the of shooting the film, uh, but it was very complex. They had to combine both live action footage of Taron and his uh, counterpart. I don't remember the actor's name. Uh, fighting inside of a real car, uh, but it was on a set and sequences filmed on a green screen and sequences filmed on real streets with real drivers. So Mm. it was a a lot of uh, combining of different elements and some unique fight choreography with the camera itself. And yeah, yeah, there's a a really cool article actually um, you can find on, oh gosh, what was the name of that website? It is the vfxv the magazine oh. of the visual visual effects society cool. uh, vfxvoice.com it's pretty cool nice um uh, all right yeah. uh let's start off let's start off by just uh kind of so this is a sequel of course to mm-hmm. kingsman the secret service i think is the full title of that movie mm-hmm. um and of course there's also a prequel that i think uh has just been announced um and it's coming out this year but what are your guys's thoughts on i guess the first movie just real quick i really oh go go ahead tyler all right so personally i i really enjoyed the original kingsman film but i I felt like it was going to live or die as a franchise as a franchise based on whatever the follow-up managed to pull off. Um, and we'll get into that more here, but I I was like pleasantly surprised by the first movie, I guess. I did it didn't feel like a super strong like it wasn't a movie I wanted to go out and buy or anything, but I did like watch it again after it came out on video. Um, but yeah, I I think it's it's a really strong start of like a it's it's not like a parody of uh spy movies but it's like a send-up you know um and so in that regard i think it works pretty well it's funny it's entertaining the action sequences are pretty great but there are times where it like you could tell they were shooting for something that just kind of fell on its face um and I got a lot of that in this movie as well. So, yeah, it, it, I, I like that first movie, though. And so I guess we'll we'll see where that brought us with the Golden Circle. But, Neil, what did you think? Mm. The first one uh, you used pleasantly surprised. And that is that's a really good one for the first one, because I really didn't know anything about this going into it. Just that it looked like a like a high octane, very visual, like 
kind of action spy thriller thing. And I think the first one totally delivered on that one for sure. I got a big kick out of it, but it's one that like I wouldn't have foreseen them making a second one about like it. I didn't personally need it. Uh, and we'll get into the second one here. But I, uh, I I quite enjoyed the first one, The Secret Service. Okay, so um, uh, I hated the first one. Um, <laughs> the word I would use would be uh, offended. I was very offended by the first movie. Um, yeah, it I gotta, is. We got to dig into that. You, you're yeah, gonna have to tell yeah, me what offended. what offended you. Like I, there are definitely parts where I could say, <laughs> like jokes and stylistic choices I found were borderline offensive, but I didn't find the movie as a whole offensive. What What did you? What was it that made you say that? So, um, one thing. Uh, so I saw the first movie in theaters. Uh, I have not revisited it since then. Um, to like to any degree at all like I I it's just that left that movie left my life <laughs> as fast as it entered it and uh, I am I am a huge James Bond fan um, I've loved James Bond for uh, m- probably most of my life so this is a movie that or this is a series uh, I've not read the comics that it's based off of and this is a series that is kind of yeah it's a send up of spy movies it has a lot in common or it, it thinks it has a lot in common with the Bond franchise um, but I think you know Bond is a franchise that is very problematic it it um, worships. I mean, Bond is basically a misogynist. It's those old movies uh, and books are not great um, when it comes to its female characters um, and the way it deals with gender and you know whatever. Like you can you can say that that's just like a '70s and '80s thing, but like this is a modern franchise that you know thinks it's thinks it's doing the same thing and like Matthew Vaughn has like said interviews where he's like he's like James Bond had does the same thing and like no one has a problem with it um and it's just uh, this movie the second movie does the same thing too where it's it just doesn't know what it's doing at all it doesn't know what it's saying and um and it's not because it's not because it's too raunchy like it's not because it's too raunchy like it's almost like not raunchy enough like it's not even like austin powers does a send-up to the spy genre better than kingsman and, well, uh, yeah, I, there a lot of the the sexual exploitation part of it. I think you're right that Austin Powers cranks it up to a degree where, and just the framing of the entire thing around a central character who is obviously atrociously horrible, like uh, like horrifyingly ugly, 
that the fact that he is considered super attractive by all the women in the movie, like that's it's saying something there, right? Like that this person is gross. The things they're mm. doing are gross. Like, but I don't think it totally gets away from like also playing both sides of the coin though too. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about Austin Powers. Yeah. So that movie still revels in the sexual aspects of it in like a titillating way, mm-hmm. even though it's doing it for a huge as a huge joke. Mm-hmm. I think this these movies don't uh, are not as successfully making a joke about the people who objectify women. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess that's but kind of Austin, the difference Austin, for me. Like Austin Powers is a parody, and this I think right. Kingsman. I th- I think that the creators of this movie think that it stands up among it stands up with the James Bonds of the world. And yeah, yeah, I think they probably do. In I mean, obviously, now that they're building out the whole franchise and history and everything with a prequel, I think they want this to be a, a you know a, a lore behind it that stands up to those creations. But like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right though that it's pretty gross to stand behind like looking hey look at these other things they did it too like that's such a shitty way to defend your use of tropes Mm -hmm. i think that this kingsman though like knows that it's ramping it up exponentially like i still think it kind of thinks it's a parody I think anyway, personally, like Mm. I think it's over the top ridiculous compared like James. Well, I don't know. I it's hard to compare to James Bond because in Moonraker, he went to the space (laughs) because Star Wars came out the year before or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like James Bond is just as stupid. And okay, let me first put this off as I really don't care for James Bond all that much. <laughs> yeah, I'll say uh, the same. Uh, like, I think those are just as equally, if not more ridiculous than any of these are. And mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not even going to touch on the sexual aspects. That is a, a time thing that just doesn't translate over at all. Uh, <laughs> talking to you pussy galore. Uh, but like, <laughs> uh, if you're listening. And Octopussy. Yeah, I'm Octopussy. <laughs> but like, obviously that stuff isn't going to fly. And I, I don't know. I, I guess I never really, I didn't see any really too much problematic issues with Kingsman in that regard that are jumping right out at me like they would for James Bond. I guess that's how I look at it. I think it's just even an overstylized, just take on the spy action genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the 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 big thing that was um, criticized about the first movie was the princess, um, how she is <laughs> uh, she's kidnapped. Is she even a character in the first movie? Or does he just run across her? No, in a it's jail just cell? at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, then, it is mentioned that she was taken, like she, mm-hmm. that she had disappeared. So. Right. And then she offers, um, she offers him anal sex if he saves the world, and that's like, that is like her character, the extent of her character. Yeah. And. 
But all the growth she got, the second one cancels that out completely. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> they really did her right in this movie. I cannot. Yeah, it, that felt a, like a very direct response. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's get into the Golden Circle. Um, uh, uh, feel free to cut me off when I start to rant. Um, just like <laughs> bang like pots and pans or something, like just to drown me out. Uh, because this movie, th- th- this movie is bonkers. <laughs> like, <laughs> it starts off in like almost like in media res it doesn't uh it doesn't set anything up it it starts off with uh eggsy um our hero played by uh taron edgerton uh just like walking out of his apartment right and then he immediately gets into that fight uh that is mainly in the backseat of his taxi and then there's like a car chase and the um the you know you talked about it earlier in the trivia section this is like a this is a very like um high action way to open the movie um i thought the action was like absolutely boring and like uh this like entire movie is just aggressively boring and the action uh the action what should be good what at the end of the at the end of the day you can like just not care about the characters and not care about the plot but like at least the action is good and i just felt like the action especially in this opening scene was just like uh was just weightless and boring um the the thing I'm gonna have to kind of refer just quickly to the first one again is like what they did fail in the second one is is in the first one they had a couple of really really good like action sequences and then mm-hmm. this one couldn't deliver on top of that I would say the car thing in the beginning is the closest they were able to get but that's about is yeah that's like it but I think that. Yeah, this car action sequence was definitely its standout action moment of the whole movie almost. Uh, the ending one that we'll touch on a little bit later uh, was fine, but it was just more of the same old stuff. Like, it was kind of boring and uh, wasn't much to it, but it, there was a bit of flair in that one that had some unexpected things you wouldn't have guessed happening, which kind of made it funny, but not like overwhelmingly like awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you on the fact that the vast majority of this movie is quite boring. Um but I would take issue with the um, personally I found this opening action sequence to be really fun. It mm-hmm. like if only the the style and attitude of that opening sequence carried through to the rest of the film. Yeah. Like I think that it could have it could have been a lot more entertaining throughout. I think there's some incredibly impressive stuff. Like a lot of it looks very obviously CGI, but there are some sequences like the interior fight in the back of the taxi cab or whatever, where there's some very creative 
uh, camera work going on to follow the punches and throws and stuff that was just really cool to watch and uh, some of it has like hidden um, camera cuts so it looks like one take you know mm-hmm. so that stuff like feels fresh and um, like it, it kind of reminds me in a way of like what 300 did for like soldier battles you know like that was a yeah. you can argue about whether or not you like the style but it was something new and it looked very different from anything else and so I feel like that this action sequence at least stands on that uh, as being unique but yeah I mean from really from the end of that onward it just is like a all downhill there's nothing that really lives up to that none of the none of the character interactions have as much weight to them because that very first sequence is uh it's a character from the previous film who was kind of another one of the villains from that movie so that you have the history of them having their conflict so like there's a lot going on there that just doesn't really exist in the rest of the movie Mm-hmm. And there say, is some like fun choreography in that when they're like in the back seat of the car and they like they're like opening the car doors and like almost falling out like mm-hmm. there is some fun like fight choreography in that but it's just the man it was hard to tell what was CG and what was real cuz it all yeah. looked like CG yeah, yeah, that's mm. that's why I when I made that the fake trivia thing, I was like, I bet they'll buy the fact that all of the interior of the car was CGI because that's because oh, yeah. <laughs> you almost almost all of it does look like CGI because they're doing so much processing to it, you know, mm. right? And the way is the camera like uh, the way like Matthew Vaughn like does his camera where there's like all these zoom ins and um. Like I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's, it's very something, kinetic. Yeah, and it's something that I I don't think I've seen a lot in any movies, and I think there's a reason because it's just it's just awful. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a good example from memory of a film that does something similar but better would be Logan. Um, some of the fight sequences in that movie have that same kinetic feel where it feels like the camera is accentuating the impacts and flips oh. and rolls and stuff. Yeah. Like there's there's one part, I think, in that movie where uh, the young girl, like, jumps up on top of someone and wraps her legs around them and, like, pulls them to the ground and rolls over. And the camera, like, follows them perfectly and rolls with them. Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that is in this movie, but in every literally every shot. It's like the camera's rolling or moving with a punch to follow the fist or, you know, mm-hmm. snapping back when someone gets punched in the face. They, that style was, like, extremely... Uh, accentuated in the church fight scene in the first movie. Oh. Yeah. Which was like the one thing that a lot of people remember from that movie. And it's so yeah. unique, right? Like that's it. Again, say what you will about whether or not you like the style. It's super unique. And like a, there's a lot mm-hmm. of work that goes into making a sequence like that, you know? Mm-hmm. My only, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of a fan in moderation of it. Um, my only complaint I guess about it is it is it seems too like digital to me like yeah. it feels like you were saying like weightless like even those camera fluctuations in and out they just don't feel like 
I guess natural. So they, I guess that is maybe to maybe see make it seem more of a heightened reality. But I don't know if it always translate if you're gonna rely on that kind of. Crop. Yeah, that's it's interesting you say that too because like I think you're kind of right. Even though the camera's moving like crazy, it does almost take away some of the impact because instead, if the camera were holding still on someone getting punched and their head, you watch their head snap back. Like that's a lot different than like having the camera follow them, so it feels like it's just floating, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, this entire car chase sequence is set to "Let's Go Crazy" by Prince from the near perfect album uh, <laughs> "Perfect Rain." Uh, it should be noted that uh, Prince passed away in. 2016, a year before uh, this movie came out, and his estate like sold like rights to his songs to like literally everyone. Like I'm pretty sure all three of us have like rights to Prince songs. <laughs> uh, and I think like almost the entire song is used in this um, in this whole uh, sequence. And I just want to say. Uh, oh, and Prince is like Prince is a person who did not let this happen. Like when he was alive, he did not. He like very rarely sold his rights to be used in like movies or commercials. And I just want to say, fuck this movie for thinking it it deserves a Prince song. <laughs> you know, See, I think there's some. Uh, you're bringing some serious baggage into this review, Ben. Dude, <laughs> I have. My baggage is packed up and I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, that's like, there's more egregious full song playing in this movie again at the end. And, yeah. but however, the person, the artist, is totally involved in this movie 100%. So, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, yes. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. And I would say I'm a, okay. Elton John is in this movie and actually plays Fuck, a yes. far bigger role than you'd ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and is amazing. Right. And, yeah. And he's probably the best part of this because it's like the Hands most down. out of left field thing. Like every time he was doing stuff on screen, you were just like, that's amazing. Because the first time you see him and we'll get into the we might get into whatever no, Julian let's do Moore. It now. Okay, let's Julian. Do it. Okay, Julian Moore's plan is is bonkers. First, <laughs> like, there's a lot of bonkers stuff in this. So, Julian Moore's plan is to like give everyone. I don't know. What is it? A, a some kind of virus of sorts. Yeah, she laces her. So she's a drug dealer. Uh, yeah. Of like all the drugs. Oh, literally and all the drugs. All the yeah. drugs in the world. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, cannabis, and then like every hard drug that like kills you, anyways. And <laughs> yeah. she's yeah. like, she's like, heroin doesn't kill people enough, so I'm gonna. She like laces it with something that's never explained, right? That has four stages, and I really enjoy. I actually really enjoyed the like layout of these four stages. Yeah, because um, the first one is. Uh, uh, your veins turn blue like and it's like a very noticeable like a thick blue then the second stage is mania where you just start dancing which (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty great (laughs) and then it goes to uh, to you get paralyzed 
Um, and then, like, your orifices just start bleeding, right? Yeah. And, and then, does your head explode? Does Did that happen, or is it just no, a bunch of blood? No, that was the first movie. That was the first one, yeah. Oh. Just, you just, like, puke blood out your nose and yeah, okay. your you're eyeballs just, you're explode. You're just dead, yeah. It, it's hardcore. And this, like, it's all, like, in the course of 24 hours, right? It's something ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I, it might be a little longer than that, but yeah, it's it's they they have enough time to hold the nation hostage basically and then yeah. distribute a, a cure before right. Yeah. Like yeah, this, this is one of the like on, this is one of the few movies where the what our heroes need to do is to make sure that the villain's plan goes through because her plan is that she cures everyone. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> and yeah. what a weird thing to be like. Our heroes are just like they, they, it's like they need to make sure that she cures everyone like before everyone dies, and it's what a well, weird. It, yeah, I mean, we're also talking about a movie universe in which the first film ends with a undisclosed number of the world's population murdering each other. So, like, that definitely oh, right. happened, and, and they didn't stop it in time. And maybe, or maybe not, Barack Obama's head exploding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember that movie. I remember there's a girl with knife knife legs. There, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. There's not enough knife legs. There's robot dogs in this, but they are just terrible. No knife legs on the dogs. (laughs) No, no, they got knives for teeth. Is that close? Close, but (laughs) it's not quite right. Yeah. So Julian Moore's plan is bonkers, but that leads to like everyone getting locked up in these cages, like that just get put in stadiums, stacked on top of each other. It's it's like the most ridiculous thing in the world, and the president. Mm whatever isn't like he's like i'm not gonna save all these drugged up losers like they made their yeah. choice or whatever so yeah, it's like, he's gonna let he's gonna let <clears throat> millions of drug users die and then his reasoning um is uh, uh the war on drugs is over because right. you know letting several million people die i mean that's not gonna there's not gonna be a spike in drug use after that happens <laughs> there's probably some weird commentary that he's trying to say on this obviously but uh, not, what, not well now i was gonna say it not in a very articulate manner mm-hmm. uh but it, it all leads up because like all i want to do is still get to elton john's fucking part <laughs> So now that we've kind of got her plan out of the way, she's got Elton John captured as her like entertainment slave, essentially, or whatever. Yeah, just like, yeah, that's it, right? That's the only reason he's there, right? Right. And it's just so funny because the first time you see him, he's in this cell and you're like, if you don't know anything about Elton John, all you know about Elton John is he plays music and he's a bit flamboyant. Like, if that's all you know, it's funny. So when you see him, he's locked up in a cage. He's like, and we've got Elton here. And all he's just like, he's like fuck you. Like, he just starts, like, cussing at him. Like, it's just the funniest shit in the world because it's, like, the most out of left field, like, you could have gotten for this movie. And it's just yeah. fantastic. There's a, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of like fuck you lines in this movie that are pretty great like comeback lines that are just people saying fuck you yeah uh, yeah. yeah and then like 
almost immediately after he's introduced, it shows him in like the full like flamingo get up, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> sitting yeah. at a piano, um, like just kind of waiting to perform for uh, for Julianne Moore's character. Um, and then like her henchman comes in and then like he requests crocodile rock and uh and then we get a another fuck you from elton john and then like uh, julian moore's character like request uh um god what does she request she Request Some, like, like classical a, music or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> all the Elton, uh, like all the Elton John stuff in this movie, was a breath of fresh air. Like it was so yeah. good and like smart, and like how the the uh, robot dogs, like when they go up to Elton John, you see their like Terminator, like heads up display. (laughs) And it says Elton John friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's the kind, that's the kind of perfect stupid that I want in these movies. It's, Mm -hmm. it's way over the top, but it's still like somehow fits in that world. But there's so much stuff in here that is just like, would be better off in like a cartoon or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It veers way too much into that like anime crazy that I mean works in like a comic book or a cartoon but it they just went like two notches too hard mm. there's they and they have like I don't know they think that their balls are just giant and they can get away with it <laughs> but I I just find myself cringing at a lot of it and so it exists in this it exists in this space that's like it, it, it occupies all the space between movies like uh, Austin Powers and uh, National Treasure, right? Yeah. So, like, the least crazy it gets is, like, National Cre- National Treasure crazy. And the most crazy it gets is, like, Austin Powers. And it, it like, varies way crazy between those two. So you never really know what movie you're watching. So mm-hmm. like there's the there's the Elton John stuff that's like just a little bit more crazy than uh National Treasure and that's fun. But then you get into the like keeping individual people in cell and like jail cells that are stacked in a stadium and they're like yeah shooting blood out of their eyeballs it's just like <laughs> yeah. what happened where are we going here it yeah and I, I think they just think that everyone wants that movie but i actually want like a more subdued like secret service crazy action movie that's not james bond like that's really all yeah. i want i don't need all this crazy trying try hard to be funny stuff mm. yeah and it's not like and if they almost like like how you said they're two notches too high like they're also like simultaneously they're two notches too low like if they just lean in and they're like this is like fucking smoking aces or john wick like we're gonna show you some like crazy action and it's gonna be hardcore and like we're gonna cross the line and it's just gonna be like hard r but it's not that though and like it does it tries to make this political commentary Mm -hmm. and it's like 
it's like our it's like what movie what are you trying to say or Mm -hmm. what do you think you're saying um yeah because yeah it just comes across as just dumb like really dumb Mm -hmm. yeah it feels like there are just a lot of pieces that are thrown together in a big pot by someone who is trying to be both edgy and show off their like pop culture knowledge and like their show off their fan membership card for James Bond. Mm -hmm. Like it just, all these things are just, they, they don't come together into something that has its own identity. It just feels like it's aping shit from everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, this movie, uh, well, uh, kind of touching on more of this movie's issues too. Like it has some, bad story plots regarding Colin Firth I think uh, almost Ugh. everything around him I actually like the only reason they brought him back is because everyone really liked him in the first one they're like oh you're this rom-com guy and all of a sudden you're whooping ass in this like yeah. that's yeah doing so the, he does this like, like crazy action like he's an action star in this movie life. <laughs> like they 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 introduce like this thing you can put on your face and revive from somebody from a headshot that should have blown yeah. their brains clean out. So it's like that was such a stupid addition along with other things in this. But like that was the biggest mistake, I think, that this movie made. Uh, I don't know if it's the biggest one, but like it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely one of them that like didn't need to be included because it just gave everyone the chance to be like, well, no one's really dead then, but maybe that's just more of the ramping up of like a weird, like super stylized universe. But like that just doesn't like work for me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it, there's no reason for his character to come back. No, right, there's right. not at all. That's what, that's what made me the most disappointed in this because it, if you're going to do that, at least have something to say and something to some part of Eggsy's character to develop further but all it turned into was like this it was just we need you because you're good at this stuff and I'm still new at it and you gotta remember who you are so you can help us and so we're gonna borderline torture you not borderline literally torture you to try and bring your memories back and that just felt so fucking weird like this is a guy who is traumatized and like it's almost like a um, it's almost like a sad Frankenstein story like you messed with a fucking crazy technology that maybe you shouldn't have and now you fucked this guy's brain up yeah. like it felt that's what the tone of it felt like to me is like this is sad <laughs> I, I maybe he doesn't want to remember that per, who that person is because it'd be kind of fucked up to do that to him you know right. and so I was I wasn't even just conflicted. I was like actively feeling like this is wrong. I didn't, I didn't see anything that it brought to further Eggsy's character development in this movie after he comes back. Cause like then he's just kind of a wild card in the whole rest of the movie. You don't know if he still has like issues with his memory and is like, if he's seeing reality correctly so he's just like a monkey wrench thrown in the end of the movie that doesn't really help anyone either. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like they they completely disregard their rules of this um of this process they did to bring back 
Colin Firth's character because he kills Pedro Pascal and then like they immediately bring him back and then there's like a throwaway line right. to be like oh well they screwed up your brain because they're evil or whatever and it, it's just like wait what like it's so <laughs> it's so convoluted and confusing and it's just it it just it's just so dumb right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i agree yeah. They, and then, they turned, they brought back, like, the reason they brought him back is because everybody loved him being a badass. And then they just, like, completely ignore that in this and make him this, like, useless, bumbling weirdo. Yeah. And even when he gets his memory back, he's, like, he's not really useful because he keeps, he, he, like, I guess he technically did catch the fact that Pedro Pascal's character was a bad guy. But that didn't matter in the end. It did. It didn't matter that he figured it out because he still comes back and it managed, man, almost manages to foil the plan. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure why they felt the need to insert him in this movie. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's so it's so dumb. Uh, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this once, and I want everyone to listen. All right. Because this is like, this is something that pisses piss me off a lot in like, it seems like almost every movie does this now. If you kill a character in a movie and then immediately bring them back, you are making death, uh, you are removing the like, the consequences of death in your movie. So if you do that, don't turn around and then kill another character and think that's gonna like matter right when they yeah. like you know when you're talking about how like Colin Firth like isn't a badass in this movie and it takes him like till the end of this movie to like get a good action sequence uh, the immediate moment that Mark Strong's character like puts on a suit and goes out into the field, they immediately kill him. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm just like, so, who like, go ahead and kill him. I don't care. Like this, yeah, the stakes yeah. are completely gone. Well, and they, so they try to up the stakes at the very beginning of the movie where we kind of skipped over the fact that basically the entirety of the Kingsman is demolished by them having horrible <laughs> operation security <laughs> measures uh, and letting a robot hand get hack into their network. And th their network where they keep all the home addresses of their agents and, you know, that, that kind of security. That can be level. accessed through a car. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So the super secure for this uh, <laughs> secret agent group. Um, but, yeah, so, like, they... They literally kill off every character that mattered that was left from the previous film. Mm -hmm. um, his female uh, counterpart, who was a full agent now right. in, Blown in up this movie, unceremoniously. Yeah, like yeah. she gets like who, one scene where she helps him answer questions from the Swedish king over an earpiece, like it's a freaking like rom com, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's it. And then she's dead. This is also the character, this is the same character that in the first one, for the entire third act, she is 
uh, in the air, like yes, uh, in like <laughs> a parachute on a space yeah. balloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they so they did a great job with her character in this movie, <laughs> Bias Kanner. Um, also, uh, question: So uh, the like, so Arthur is in this movie, who is like the head of Kingsman, uh, who I think is mentioned. In the in the first movie, but we don't we never see him, right? Right. I thought Michael Caine was the was him in the first one, and he was the bad guy. Didn't um, he turn out to betray the Kingsman? He was the he was Arthur. He was. Oh, you might be right. Uh, um, it's, been, it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I I thought I thought that, my mind. I don't think Michael Caine was in that movie. He was in. I, first one Could yeah sworn he was in oh, the first really? one yeah. yeah i think he played arthur and then he gets killed i don't know if his name was arthur because michael gambin was in this yeah yeah it is yeah michael kane played arthur oh yeah so this other guy replaces him as arthur okay because that's what they do with their you know their names they right. get they replace the previous one so yeah, yeah. michael kane yeah. was the Eggsy. bad guy or part one of the bad guys yeah okay okay interesting all right yeah, I was wondering because I, because yeah, Michael Gambon is plays Arthur in this movie for one scene. He gets like two lines. Major balls to hire Dumbledore for your movie <laughs> yeah. and fucking kill him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so that, what I was trying to say, though, is that like they tried to immediately up the stakes and make death a real thing at the beginning. But it's like you did it in such a way where it felt so dumb that that's how they died. Like it wasn't impact. It wasn't really impactful because the whole time you're just thinking, Jesus Christ, they fucked up hard. Like you you just felt like they were a, a very poorly run spy organization that in the second film in your franchise, you've literally <laughs> fucking nuked them with like the simplest of infiltrations, right? Like they didn't, yeah. this wasn't some like mission impossible shit. It was like super easy for them to get this information and then carry out a hit in a single night with with like rockets from nowhere like yeah. literally just like deuce x assassination just kill everybody with giant rockets the end <laughs> like that so even yeah, when they so, try um, to make the stakes harder like they they undermine that too because it feels so unearned um when uh when i was watching this movie uh, uh i was watching it with my roommate and i walked to the kitchen to get like a fork or something and by the time I came back, uh, my roommate was like, um, uh, rockets blew up uh, all of Kingsman. <laughs> and I was just like, I was gone for like four seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so then, of course, this leads to uh, them figuring out that they're, they have a sister organization in America called the Statesmen. Um, and... So they go to Kentucky to uh, basically get help from the their American counterpart um, to stop uh, Julian Moore. And this is where we we meet 
Channing Tatum's character, Channing Tatum, who is just on a roll with movies. Um, he is just like one of the absolute biggest stars of the time. He shows up and like everyone cheers like hell yes. So excited for Channing Tatum to go through this movie and see him doing cool stuff and what he gets like one scene and then he's like in a coma yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's such a waste <laughs> I just wanted to see him dancing and killing fools this whole thing and he didn't do any of that nope <laughs> we do see him dance for a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah. pretty good <laughs> uh, so I tried to find uh, the reasoning of why he's gone, but I couldn't find anything. Um, apparently, it was a scheduling conflict that he just had to back out of this movie, like hmm. during filming, and so they just kind of like they they basically like recast him, uh, Pedro Pascal. That makes uh, a lot more sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then they like they just still because like you can't like f- you can't recast Channing Tatum so they just like split his part into two. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't That's find so the weird. reason. I couldn't find the reason like what movie he had to go to. Yeah. Um, but uh, Logan, the movie Logan Lucky, um, the Steven Soderbergh movie, came out this same year. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to say. That that's the reason why, okay? <laughs> okay, because, I'm on board. I'm on board. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, because both of these movies feature. Um, what's the song that's sung at the very end? Uh, the song that Take Mark me home. Str- yeah, take me home. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what's called? Uh, uh, country road. Co- country road. I don't, yeah, yeah, country road. Like- uh, both Logan Lucky and this movie Kingsman both feature that song and it is hilarious that that, <laughs> that that movie just like randomly got a resurgence because like i don't know like there was another movie that same year i was looking through the trivia i can't remember which one it is but there's a third movie that same year that featured that same song mm. oof yeah, John Denver. Was it, was Take it me the home, uh, uh, Fallout 76 trailer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right, actually. It might have been. Who knows? <laughs> um, hey, good for John Denver. He probably like bought a house for after that. Yeah. Man. Um, so, yeah, then, of course, we meet... Uh, we meet the head of um, the John statesman. John dead, by the way. <laughs> oh, shit. I almost asked that. Because I thought that. <laughs> oh, shit. 1997, right, man. Him and Prince sold their songs to all the same people. <laughs> uh, he died in 1997? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut this all out so I don't sound like a dumbass. <laughs> um... So we meet the head of uh, the statesmen, who are all named after like types of liquor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who, uh, um, 
it's like whiskey isn't uh, Pedro Pascal's character named Whiskey mm-hmm. and then yeah. it's like uh, uh, whatever I can't even like I don't tequila even care is, tequila was uh, Channing Tatum and champagne is uh, what's his face <laughs> Jeff Bridges. everybody calls him champ <laughs> yeah that's so good yeah I like that I hope that <laughs> I hope that was a uh, ad lib from uh, Jeff Bridges. Cause he's like, my character's name is Champagne. Like that's so dumb. I, <laughs> it's like, I, cut, Jeff. You can't. You can't give yourself a nickname. Just say the he, lines. He is one of the characters that is doing just the perfect amount of cheese ball in this. Like, yeah. right. He is just like chewing up every scene he's in like that scene where he like I don't I want to I want to believe that he made this up too where he takes like a swig of whiskey and then he like spits all of it out into a spittoon like I, I want to believe my my personal my personal headcanon for that is that he he's destroyed his liver from drinking for like the last 65 years and so he can't drink it anymore but he likes the taste <laughs> and he has to spit it out god that's so uh, funny that'd be amazing that's not like a that's not like a whiskey tasting thing right because I know no. wine. When you taste wine, you're you're supposed to spit it out. You're not supposed to drink. Actually, like consume it. All you, I think you just swish it around in your mouth. But I think you'd still drink it. I would mm-hmm. anyway. But what do I, I mean? I, yeah, uh, uh, I don't think there's any etiquette that says spit it all out into a spittoon three feet away from and you. And he just does yeah. it like nonchalantly <laughs> in the middle mm-hmm. of the meeting. Oh, it's I love also that. it's also a lot. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like a huge gulp of whiskey. <laughs> I love that. Uh. He is also like he's just hanging out too. Like yeah. he, it's Jeff Bridges is just like he's bringing a little bit of the dude, but like not. He doesn't go full dude, and yeah. but he also like he isn't like overacting. Like he does in, um, like, uh, uh, True Grit. You know, okay. he's just mm-hmm. like, he's just hanging out. He's here. I'm Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah. Gonna say my lines, <laughs> drink this whiskey. Yep. So and, uh, I'm gonna blow your guys' mind. This movie, anyone have, want to take a guess at how many Oscar winners are in this movie? Oh, Jesus. Oh, a lot. man. Seven. <laughs> More. Uh, uh, no, not quite that many. There's five, though. Five. There are oh five Oscar winners so, in this. Julian Moore. Yep. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Yep. Halle Berry. Yep. Um, Michael Gambon, oh, maybe? Is Michael Gambon one? No, I don't think no. so. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Mark Strong. I have one more, right? Mark Strong. The last one is the is a wild card. Oh, Ellen John. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> Ellen John has an Oscar. Nice. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course, for like, I mean, original song, right? Yep, like probably yep. like the Lion King. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, touched on Halle Berry there for a second. Uh, my wife has a funny theory on Halle Berry, and I am inclined to agree with her that she is Halle Berry in every single movie. And she, <laughs> yeah. she, she does not disappoint in this one as well. She is so flipping like the s- same you've ever seen her like there's yeah i don't know she just has like zero like range which is we harsh to say maybe but like 
I don't know. She's just I don't boring. Think, yeah, <laughs> she she has very little emotional range. I do think that this character is kind of fun for her where she's not the badass. Like she's just kind of the like person behind the computer, you know? Yeah. Like and th- that's kind I of do fun, think I guess. Funny. I don't know. I think it's funny that like the two like computer nerds in this movie are Mark Strong and Halle Berry. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, all right, we're going to cast Mark Strong who like plays the villain in every movie. And then like then they get like the sexy like former Bond girl uh in this one. And yeah. it's it's a funny I assume that that's on purpose. It's probably a mistake. Mm. Um knowing after watching this movie, but I, I do think it's is kind of funny that like it's very like against type for both that type of character yeah and and these two actors i have a quick question for you ben what was the bigger mistake her being in this or being in that bond movie she was in because that one (laughs) was garbage i mean that bond movie is more hated so it the bond movie was probably a mistake the bigger mistake yeah um i feel like this movie was uh, like just flew under the radar. Like it came out and everyone was just like, whatever. I mean, like, she's be. gonna end up being in the spin-off Statesman movie, so probably Ugh. a good choice. Mm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for for her personally, maybe not maybe not for terms of quality filmmaking, but I mean, Die Another Day led her to get that role in Catwoman, right? So, I mean, <laughs> come on. Good point. Yeah. Good point. She's doing well. She's doing well. You know, going back to her alongside Mark Strong, like that to me feels like one of the example, one of many examples throughout this movie where I felt like there was a very clear opportunity for some fun playful humor that they just didn't ever really dig into like Mm -hmm. you have a proper british gentleman and a like american nerd running a system security stuff for a american special forces unit like have some like playful disagreement between them like have the have the like super predictable you don't know how to make tea. Let me show you like, and and have them like have this kind of fun, uh, competition between them. But Mm -hmm. it's more of just like, Oh, you have the same job that I have, but in America instead of Britain, like that's (laughs) basically what their interactions were. Very chill. Yeah. It just was almost like you could cut them out and it wouldn't matter. I don't know why they had to be on screen together. Even if that was all they were going to do with it. Mm -hmm. True. Damn. It would have been better if they were twins and they were were just exactly the same character. They just leaned into they were the exactly the same character. Oh, God, I I want just the same actors (laughs) cast and then just the script says they're long lost twins. That's great. It can happen. It can happen. (laughs) I suppose. Um, <laughs> let's touch on Julian Moore's character since we really have yes, it yet. Please. Uh, so she's like the drug dealer on planet Earth. Like she's like the source of all drugs. 
and she owns like her own private island or something like that, which she has like decorated to be just like 50s America. <laughs> so it's like has like diners and donut shops, Elton John and like other things like that. Uh, and she is like this really she plays it like really like a kind hearted person like doesn't like raise her voice always kind of has like this really sweet sincere like manner of speaking but just happens to be the worst person on the planet or something along <laughs> those lines she's also doing this very like mom like 50s mom like right uh she's like playing it as a 50s mom but then like there's very little like edge to that character for like what yeah. she's doing. Right. She's well, kind of um, like she's kind of like Martha Stewart meets like the Joker or something. Like she's kinda. she's mm-hmm. certifiably insane, but she has she has that like she puts on a face for literally everyone like she's on TV or something like Martha Stewart. Right. She's mm-hmm. just like this putting on this homemaker persona while running one of the largest criminal enterprises that could ever exist. Right. Mm. And then she also puts a man into a meat grinder and makes a hamburger out of that man and makes oh another man eat that hamburger. <laughs> so that's the insanity we're also dealing with here, which I yeah. like to be well, honest, like even, that was a pretty wicked like initiation for that dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what's even more bonkers about that scene is that a uh, meat grinder it separates the it separated the dude's clothes, <laughs> yeah, so you didn't have like you didn't have fabric in your burger. That's yeah, high tech. She does have robot dogs, <laughs> so that's true. Yeah, I just love that that she like had some tech bro like help engineer a a human meat grinder that separates clothes, so she doesn't have to take the clothes off first. The best part, like, this movie is so dumb, but they thought that's the one, like, one of the things they thought of was yeah. they showed, you can see the clothes coming out of a yep. different area. And they're like, they're like, wow, someone was like, someone was like, wait, wait, stop. Like, like, there's going to be clothes in that burger. Like, we need to add that in. Like, yeah, we yeah. got to change this. Um, then halfway through shooting, they're like, wait, guys, wouldn't there be bones in the meat, too? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. They should have, like, just, uh, like, it should have just launched out, like, giant, like, entire, like, dog bones and just, like, <laughs> yeah. rolled over to the dog houses. Yes. Oh, my God. See, that, that, they, that's like what you're saying. They, they thought of a lot of things that don't even seem necessary, but then they didn't think of that, which would be an even bigger laugh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Jesus. All right. Uh, we've been talking about this for an hour. Um, uh, we've kind of discuss like the disgusting like uh misogyny of these movies um i feel like this one is way worse in that um glastonbury oh um, god yeah area where i think it's kind of funny that the american like the american bros the like only way they can get a tracking device into someone's bloodstream is like through a condom yeah. And when it's like 
it's like dude like you can just do a meet a needle or something like yep. anything else <laughs> and it's just like it's so it's just so bad that entire scene was just cringeworthy and if i wasn't watching this for a podcast i would have turned it off yeah. like <laughs> that's how bad it was um nothing i don't really have anything else to say like it's pretty it's pretty like it's terrible and it's unforgivable it's it's insane that they like the one major sticking point that a lot of people had with that first movie was like you said the princess and how just gross that ending was they went to the trouble of trying to like make her a character with agency in this movie to rectify that situation like it it feels like a very direct response to that but then as part of her story as a major plot point for her relationship with her now boyfriend serious boyfriend they insert this bizarrely sexualized and disgusting sequence and then like they try to make you think that like oh he's a good guy because he doesn't want to do it well fuck you movie because you're the one that wrote a plot device that required (laughs) this to be a thing like you don't get to have it both ways you don't get to write an absurd like completely unnecessarily sexual plot point and then say oh well yeah isn't that just kind of bad to do that when you have a girlfriend like fuck off that's so dumb right and also sorry to bring this up again but they do they do this exact same thing in austin powers and it is the female agent doing it and it is the scene is (laughs) integral to the plot because it's a reflection of austin powers bad behavior so um anyways <laughs> that's so true anyways um yeah. okay uh anything else on this movie i i'm uh now nah, I'm, I'm through my notes yeah um, that's I'm, I'm spent yeah, yeah. robot dogs <laughs> fuck stuff up and they yeah. save the day yeah yeah it's, um very it's really weird ending. like the real villain of this movie is the president of the United States, and it's yeah. really weird that, like, the Kingsmen don't stop him. Like, they, they're not the ones that, like, uncover like, like, God, what yeah, he was doing, what he was that. planning on doing. It's very, like, just thrown away where, like, um... That's so it's, weird. Uh, the, like, one of his, one of the president's, like, inner circle like gets sent to the cages and then she come she comes back at the end and she's like don't worry guys i impeached him and i was like wow it's that easy (laughs) (laughs) um no (laughs) also (laughs) also there's like uh um julian moore is like sending over an executive order to like the so the president will legalize all drugs and there's a line where she's like, and once you sign it, there's no taking it back. And I'm like, that's not how, like, w- this is a world where Congress doesn't exist. Like, there's no, <laughs> yep. like, there's no checks and balances in America, which is, 
I mean, maybe um, in this in this reality, the Congress has been abolished. The president has complete dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, maybe. And one person in in his cabinet can just impeach him. It's yeah. that easy. That's how it works. Um, yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, all right, that's it. Let's get to final thoughts, guys. For every movie, we will give Julian Moore a rating of one to five Julians on how we thought she did in this movie. Um, Neil, why don't you star us off with your final thoughts? Certainly. Well, uh, I know you had brought up in our last episode that maybe I perhaps did recommend this movie (laughs) at one point. Uh, And I'm not going to say I wouldn't recommend it uh, because I came out of that like probably enjoying it or maybe just didn't have anything else to recommend that was the last thing i literally did was see that movie <laughs> so uh it's hey i'm really sorry to call you out like i didn't I, I need yeah. to do that <laughs> thank you thank you uh but so it's got some it's got some pretty solid action in it like it's not the best it's not as good as the first one in in terms of its action it's got some pretty terrible plot points in it that like are just dumb i think we've kind of hit it on the head where it's like it both didn't go far enough and went too far all at the same time and it just chose its battles wrong like uh But it's it's got some solid stuff there, but it, it, it's it's so middling. Like, and as far as Julian Moore is concerned, like it was a it was a fine performance, but her it just wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't spectacular. She didn't really have like a ton to do. She was there just for exposition, really. Um, but like I I I think you. Should, I guess if you like the first one, I don't think you're really going to have a big problem with this one. So I would check it out, but it's not going to probably blow your socks off. Um, I would I'd, I'd probably give it a two and a half Julians out of five. Cool. Uh, Tyler, your final thoughts? Yeah, I I think I'm going to agree with your score. I'm going to give it a two and a half Julians out of five. Um, just because it's like, it's perfectly fine. I, I feel like I might've even backed up your recommendation when you recommended this. Cause I think I, I saw it in theaters at the same time. And, but it's like, it's a movie that's, if you're gonna watch it in theaters is probably the better place to do it. Cause at least then you get this, the crazy spectacle of what, you know it's trying to go way over the top with that stuff and it it just kind of works better in a theater i think in when you're at home watching it on your tv like you said uh ben it just is kind of boring like once you once the the thrill of that has worn off and it wears off pretty quickly you realize there's really not much else there and it's it's not a great it's not the follow-up i wanted from the first one because like like i said the first one I enjoyed it. I thought it was very unique and was doing something new, but it was going to live or die based on how the sequel turned out. And I just, after watching this a second time now, I'm like, I'd, I would watch the first one five times before I'd watch this one ever again. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
that being said, the trailer for the like super prequel, uh, The King's Man, looks legit awesome. <laughs> and I don't know if they're just like pulling the wool over my eyes, but that looks really good. And it, the tone of that looks like what I wish the tone of these movies was. So it's like set in World War One, I, I think, right? Yeah. World War One. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the formation of the Kingsmen and there's no like crazy gadgets and shit. I mean, I'm sure there will be, but it's like, you know, gadgets from that time period. And like I'm sure there'll be all kinds of hijinks, but there's not nearly the same focus on it being funny. In fact, I would say the first three fourths of that trailer want you to think it's a World War One like serious movie. And I have no idea if they're going to continue that throughout the rest of marketing materials and the movie itself. But I was like down for that tone. And I really like I'm so perplexed by that because it doesn't (laughs) seem like it's actually existing in the same universe. So super intrigued by that. Um, But yeah, I have zero really zero interest in like a Statesman spinoff or a third Kingsman movie. I'll just watch that Kingsman prequel and see how that is. Mm. Agreed. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I don't have much else to say about this movie. Um, This is a one out of five Julians for me. Um, I it's yeah, there's just very few things that are like redeemable about this movie. So, um, one out of five Julians, one out of five Collins, one out of five Marks, uh, but five out of five Eltons. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to recommendations. Uh, for every movie, or for every episode, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations that don't necessarily have to be movie-related. Um, Neil, give yeah. us your recommendation. Certainly. So I picked up this game on PC. It was on sale when I got it, which is kind of what egged me on to buy it. I don't think it is currently, but uh, it's a PC game called Squad. Now, what this is, if you're familiar with games like Arma, it's close to that. So, But it's different in its own way. So what it is, it's like a tactical um, modern warfare type uh, first person shooter. Um, what's really cool about it is that like it's it's tactical to the point where it's like it's imp- you're not lone wolf in it. Like there is like no heads up display. You it's like the damage modifier is like you get shot a couple times you're dead. Like it's hardcore mode type stuff. And it all re- but like the squad mechanics of it work really really good so essentially it's a pretty big game mode it's like 70 people or 74 people in a match or something like that and then split the teams and it's then you have like a conquest mode type capture the points and then bleed tickets from another team uh and it's broken down into like you can have like four squads per team and the squad leaders can talk to each other on comms and then like the squads themselves can communicate within the squad. And then there's like a local chat, which is would just be like if I was standing next to you talking to you, that doesn't jam up any comm signals or whatever. And there are it, there's no like leveling up. There's nothing like 
there's classes you can be like or i guess they're more like roles than they are classes but there's no like weapon modification or anything like that like you're just a you can be a soldier with like a rifle or you can be like an anti-tank crew or you can be like um a weapon crew type person or you can there are a bunch of cool uh well done vehicles in the game but like let's say you want to drive like an abrams tank you need three people to drive that tank you can't solo this thing so it's like <clears throat> there's all of these elements to make it squad based and you can't just make a small squad and be like yolo we're just going to go in a tank like <laughs> if you have a small squad like you're limited to the things you can actually outfit. So like if you have a squad of three people and you want to be a tank crew, you can't because you need nine people in a squad to be able to request a tank and you need to request a tank from like squad leader. So like that system's really, really, really well done. And it's a lot of it's based around like just really good communication. So you're, there's like and there's no kill cams or anything like this so like you're literally just having to use really good communication and just good squad tactics to play it and i've i've played it a couple times now and it is it's very very daunting to get into right away because you're like "Uh, i don't know if i want to be talking to a bunch of random people but like the people in the game want to play that game like that so like you're not going to get a bunch of well, I, I mean, obviously that comes with a caveat. You're going to get some turds every once in a while. But like a lot of the time you'll get servers or the servers will claim they're more friendly to newer players. But like that, that a lot of the community is actually pretty healthy and, and it's very respectable, which is really nice to see, uh, especially because it doesn't have like the largest community in, in the world for at least North American servers. Because um, you can load up uh, on a Russian server, but you're not going to be able to understand anybody. Uh, so like, that's kind of what I've been doing and playing. Um, it's been really fun and exciting. Uh, it's got a great development team and they are adding to it. It's a pre or it's an, it's still technically in alpha stages right now. Uh, but I think for full retail, the game is $40 and it's totally worth that. If you're looking for that kind of experience. So check out squad on PC. Nice. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Like, the other players are healthy because, like, it having like um, turds to borrow a phrase, <laughs> uh, it just like ruins a game. Like it, and it doesn't matter how good the game is if you have to rely on like real players for your teammates, mm-hmm. and uh, it can just so easily ruin a game. What I've found is like the people who come in, like so. I started playing it actually on a free weekend that it had for it. So there were an influx of new players. And Mm. a lot of times those players that don't want to talk or don't want to do anything or don't want to play with the squad will leave immediately because it's very, very, very punishing to people who don't want to play that way. You just you die from a sniper like a thousand meters away. That was a pixel on your screen. So it's like it like that is actually a good thing that weeds out the players who just want to be awful you know or want to go like yolo on everything which is kind of it's a pro and a con though because like if you're Mm -hmm. not up for like the lingo like if someone says oh it's southeast 300 meters at this bearing out this map segment and you're like 
you're gonna have to say that again in English, kind of a thing. Like sometimes, like that's the yeah, hardest. I got the southeast part. But that's... <laughs> yeah, like that's probably the hardest thing to get so on it so far as like talking mm-hmm. to people who have been playing it and a lot of like ex-military people who play it. It's just it's a struggle to like learn the lingo. Like you're, that takes so much time to want to learn. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Tyler, your recommendation. Yeah, so I finally got a chance to go out and see a movie uh, for the first time in a while. And we went to go see Spider-Man Far From Home, which has been out for a few weeks now. But uh, I I just really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He is, uh, he's got that perfect combination of like youthfulness and awkwardness and still... I don't know. There, there's like a way to be confidently awkward that he totally pulls off. He's very earnest, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. He feels very earnest in his portrayal of Peter Parker. And I just really love watching him on screen. And the supporting cast is great. It's a, a, a really nice continuation of his story in the Marvel Universe. It's not it's certainly not like top of the pack for Marvel movies. Um, in fact, I'd even say that the Spider-Man Homecoming, the first uh, Spider-Man standalone film in this series, is stronger. Um, but it has some really incredible moments in it. And top of that list is the um, introduction of Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. He is uh, he is a breath of fresh air in the Marvel universe. It's uh, I don't want to give too much away for those of you who do or don't know the character from the comics, but let's just say that his performance is like some of the best, like, I know I'm in a comic book movie, but I'm still going to deliver a really powerful performance. Like, I just love him in every, pretty much everything he does. He brings like a creepiness and yet like a trustworthiness to the character that works really, really well. And it's not just like the, it's not that standard, like, oh, you know, our bad guy is going to be basically the the same as our hero, but with just a different colored suit or something, you know, like that happens so often where it's just like, oh, I have the same power you have now let's fight. Uh, and, and to be fair, they didn't do that even in the first Spider-Man movie, um, with Vulture, that was a very different enemy too, but, um, the fact that they're they're being really the that the enemies in these Spider-Man movies have been really some of the best in the entire MCU, I think is the reason why I keep coming back uh, to rewatch those ones. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Spider-Man: Far From Home, definitely a really solid entry in the MCU, and it just makes me. Uh, really excited for the future of the series post Endgame. Um, the one thing I'll say is that the this is the first time the, this is the first movie after Endgame, right? Am mm-hmm. I right about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is the first time we really feel the weight of what happened in Endgame. And if you haven't watched it, uh, fair warning, spoilers. It's it's both uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s absence is missed in more way than one. 
his his absence is noticeable in the sense that it's like an emotional plot point, right? Like it's a, a point of growth for these characters to like say goodbye to him. But it it's also there's also like a fourth wall breaking thing where he's missing like it's noticeable that he's missing because what he brought to all those films was so tangible that when he's gone, you're like, fuck, this is, this sucks. Like I, I kind of just want him there because he's so, such a, a giant part of that series that like, you really do miss him being there. And so I, it's such, I, I'm so conflicted on him because it works on so many levels. Like, the emotional impact of him being gone works really well, but you also are just like, wow, the, this it doesn't quite feel the same without him, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely stick around for the post credit stinger, though, because this might be like the most universe-impacting post credit stinger that they've done since the reveal of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, if you haven't watched it yet, definitely stick around, because the post credit scene is bonkers. <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh, yeah i have i have yet to see this movie um <laughs> same here actually yeah <clears throat> yeah I, if you like the other spider-man movies you'll definitely like this one but i i wouldn't say i just don't keep your don't have your hopes up too high it's not it's not like mind-blowing mm-hmm. yeah that entire cast uh like all those kids uh in that in those movies are so good yeah and the supporting played, cast is great yeah. Um, I would like to recommend a podcast. Um, I like to recommend the You Must Remember This podcast. Uh, I believe Slate puts it on, um, or they they produce it now. Um, but this is from uh, Karina Longworth, and she kind of does these very like very like deep dives into these old Hollywood stories. Um, and, but what I would like to recommend particularly is their 12 part series on Charles Manson. Uh, um, Quinn Tarantino's, um, once upon a time in Hollywood just recently came out and it f- like kind of follows, uh, Charlie Manson and, um, the murder of Sharon Tate. Uh, so a lot of people are talking about Charles Manson. And so I've just, just in the last couple of days, I downloaded, um, this like 12 part series on Charles Manson from, you must remember this. And I've just been listening to it and it is like utterly fascinating. Um, and I think what is so cool about this, this podcast is that it's it's not just a character study on Manson but it also really dives into a lot of like Hollywood like what how Hollywood was in that time and just like the atmosphere of California and then also like the movie industry and it's like there's a lot of info that um, Karina Longworth like just like siphons through in this podcast it's really fascinating um 
And it's also like really fucked up because that turns out that Charles Manson dude is one fucked up individual. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I haven't listened to much else of from that podcast, but um, that this series on Charles Manson is um, is really great, and I highly recommend it. And it must be very popular because it uh, you can find it. Um, I think it aired like two years ago in uh, 2017. So you can find it in the f- main feed of You Must Remember This, but it has its own feed called You Must Remember Manson. So you can just look that up and you can find just the exact 12 episodes um, for this series uh, and just easily listen to them. And I would highly recommend it. It's it's really fascinating. So um, that is you must remember Manson. Um, very good. And uh, the the whole sh- like the whole podcast has I've like heard about it a lot. Every now and then, um, people keep recommending it, and it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to I uh, going back and kind of. Uh, revisiting some of the older episodes, um, I think currently they're she's doing a fake news um, series, and that is just like that's just too recent for me to listen to. <laughs> so I'll probably skip that one. But um, I've heard there's I've heard there's a lot of great episodes, so I'm looking forward to diving into that more after I finish this series on Charles Manson. So nice. Um, that is it for this episode and this season of Credits oh, Due. We're saying goodbye to Julianne Moore, guys. Yeah, we're doing yeah. it. We're doing this it. Is, our, is this our longest season? Twice yeah, as long 20. as the rest. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, is it? That's probably right. Um, is our second longest like Will Smith or something? That like, I was gonna say. Yeah. I think Will Smith was our other most longest one. Um, crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot. 20, 20 movies. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, Will Smith was 10, and then 11 was from Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay. So, oh my God, maybe we should have cut this down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but thank you, uh, everyone for listening in. Um, and following along with us um, for our next episode we're going to do an extra credits as we always do where we'll just kind of talk about some topics that have been uh, that we've been thinking about or ruminating on or whatever um, and then we'll dive into our next ser- series which we'll, we'll announce in the next episode so look forward to that and until then uh, Tyler, why don't you find? Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen. Oh, you can find me Neil on Twitter at Dino Neilman, and you'll find me on Twitter at Cron Master. That's C R O G H A N Master. And you can follow the show at Credits Do Pod. Um, thank you. 
Um, thank you once again for joining us and look out for our next episode in two weeks. And until then, remember, as always, fuck you, Elton. Yeah. Nah, man, Elton's cool. You don't know the words. No, do I don't you? know the words. <laughs> <laughs>